Welcome to the Canadian SME Podcast, a podcast for Canadian small businesses. We interview Canadian experts and entrepreneurs to provide expert insight into marketing, innovation, business leadership, technology, and trends that impact small business. Our mission is to empower Canadian small and medium enterprise to help you grow your business. Canada's plan to welcome a record number of newcomers over the next few years means businesses will need to prioritize cross-cultural communication skills to support them and the success of their operations. We got the chance to chat with Shay Dubey, a professor at the Smith School of Business. Shay Dubey teaches negotiations, cross-cultural management, ethics, domestic and international business law, and entrepreneurship courses. He is the academic director for project courses in various MBA programs and the MIB program. In this podcast, Shay discussed the dimensions of communication that are informed by culture, why cross-cultural communication is of growing strategic importance for Canadian workplaces, and how businesses can bridge the intercultural work styles gaps and set newcomers up for success. Hi Shay, on behalf of Canadian SME, I'd like to welcome you to our small business podcast. How are you today? I'm very well, and thank you for having me on the podcast. Very pleased to have you with us this afternoon. Now Shay... Um, we all know that you know Canada is planning to welcome a record number of newcomers over the next few years, which means that businesses will need to prioritize cross-cultural communication skills to support them and really add to the success of their own operations. Shape, you are a professor at Smith School of Business, and you are an expert in what we are about to discuss, which is cross-cultural management, and you are a sought-after speaker on topics that we will also touch base on. Let's begin uh, with your, uh, you know, experience with your career as an assistant professor at Smith School of Business. How did you become interested in this area? Well, those are two interesting questions. Uh, first of all, I've been at uh, Smith at Queens since two thousand, teaching since two thousand and four, full time since two thousand and six, and I became an assistant professor in twenty eleven. So we're going on twelve, thirteen years now. Um, so the second part of the question is, how did I get interested? Well, I'm an immigrant to Canada. I came here when I was five and a half. I moved to Brazil when I was seven and a half. My father was on, went on sabbatical. I moved to England when I was 11 and a half. So my first language was not English. And then entering the workforce in the early 80s, I mean, the world is very different than the, than it is today. And being a person of color it was challenging because I was in a career as a pilot uh, that typically didn't see people of color. You know? And then I became a lawyer after that. Uh, and uh, eventually having run businesses, uh, having started and run businesses, and sort of seen both sides of this operation and, and about and having dealt a lot with people. And part of as a lawyer is helping people that uh, are, are struggling in, in different ways. Uh, I just saw the challenges that I faced myself, challenges other people faced. And it always intrigued me how I could help to make it a better place for everybody. And so mm -hmm. this is kind of how I ended up in the cross-cultural side because I'm, you know, I'm a pilot, I've been a soldier, I'm a lawyer. So I also have different cultures that I work in too. Right, right. Now with, with such a vast experience in so many different areas, you may be well aware that organizations now have become more diverse and global in scope, right? The adeptness mm -hmm. at connecting with colleagues and clients from various cultural backgrounds has never been uh, at a greater priority than it is now. Shay, why do you think this cross-cultural communication is becoming more and more strategic in Canadian workplaces? 
Well, as you said in the introduction, we are increasing immigration. And part of the problem that Canada and every industrialized nation has is a declining birth rate. And if we are going to maintain our population, maintain our way of living, we have to increase our, our, our population. And the only way to do that is through immigration. Right. And so when we talk about immigration, people are, and we, we do a brain drain across the world. What we do is we're attracting talent and we're attracting people who are uh, in their mid twenties to maybe early thirties. So they've already sort of set in the way that they see the world and they're coming to a new country. And so companies have a shortage of, of people and the immigrants are going to fill the, those voids. But we have a way of doing business here and a way of looking at things and their way of looking at things may not fully align. And so we, we have a mismatch and where the tensions start to arise is that um, we all want the same end goals, but it's how we achieve them. And sometimes people are set in their ways. And when somebody does something different, that's when the communication challenges start to happen. Mm hmm. Now, you're right. I mean, understanding the effective strategies on top of the, uh, you know, the current uh, market conditions that are happening, you know, we are expecting more immigrants, right? Yes. Um, understanding the effective strategies will really help entrepreneurs unlock the new potential, which can help them create more impactful opportunities in our interconnected world. Shay, what, in your opinion, are the most successful strategies for using multiculturalism as a competitive advantage in business? So if we're talking in Canada, I mean, there's a, a, a bunch of different things that we need to think about. One is how do we bring people who are extremely smart? Um, they wouldn't be here if they weren't. And how do we make them, uh, you know, efficient uh, and make them sort of the pillars of our companies in such a way that they become uh uh, non-expendable, you know, you they want to stay. So there's two things that uh, turnover in, in, in people is very expensive. So you want people to come, stay and grow with the company and that's how companies grow. And so that's one thing. You want people to be happy. There's a second thing. And companies look at this from an employee standpoint only. Let's talk about the fact that we have increased immigration. It also means our customer bases are changing. So those same people whom you are hiring to be your employees and maybe the future of your company uh, come from cultures that uh, are also buying your products or services. So are you? do you know how to sell to them? Do you know how to service them at the same time? So having these people inside your business uh, gives you an understanding of how do you deal with your changing customer base as well. Right. That's two parts. The third part of this is, is the co comment you made about um, we're, we're becoming more global. Canada's 38 million people. I think the world just went past 8 billion and we're not growing it at a huge rate. Uh, we hit way above our, uh, we punch way above our weight when it comes to uh, innovation, et cetera. And so we need those markets to go into. And so are you going to hire people to, you know, in those markets to tell you how to enter those markets when you have them right here in the country. Mm -hmm. And so if you can leverage those skills, what it does is it gives you the leg up and entering other markets and avoiding the pitfalls that many international companies have when they enter markets without understanding the nuances of the market and the culture. Right. And there's also a, a gap associated with that, the intercultural gap, right, between mm -hmm. the different work styles. If we, let's talk about that now. Now, 
Shay, successfully navigating a new workplace is really vital to success, but really bridging the intercultural gap that I was talking about between work styles can also be very challenging. Shay, how can businesses really bridge the intercultural work styles gap and set newcomers up for success as many of them really struggle to integrate these newcomer employees into their businesses? Okay, so can I reframe that question a little bit for mm-hmm. you? Both sides are struggling a little bit. Because right. uh, they're both sides are trying to figure out how do I uh, incorporate them into my organization, and a newcomer is uh, struggling with how do I incorporate. But the newcomer has a second challenge: how do I also incorporate into society in general? And we don't think about how do I open a bank account and where do I get milk and where do I do these things. These are also the other things that a newcomer is struggling with as well, too. So they've got a multiple challenge that that's going on here. Uh, so let's look at it this way. If we could go back to, oh, I don't know, let's say sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, when we went away from pen and pencil and we went on to computers and to Word, yeah. it was a new system that came in place. What do we have to do? People resisted but we trained everybody, Mm. right? When we bring in a newcomer into our organization that doesn't know what we do, we spend the time training them. So this is just another skill set. This is just something else that we need to spend that time training people and, and making them understand that we're not trying to check the box. This is for everybody's benefit and how that training is done. So there's the first part of, of the issue. Uh, that, that can be easily dealt with is just to take a look at the problem with a different set of eyes. Then when we get to that part of the uh, past that point is then the next thing is, what are these differences? And so we think of differences as being a bad thing. But what if the differences are viewed as a different way of doing things? And maybe there's something to be learned from all the parties. Mm-hmm. And so instead of um, saying that you must adhere to this way of doing things is maybe both sides have to talk about why we do things in a different way and say, well, I hadn't thought about that That could be a different way to do something. So again, we take this from a negative into a positive. And when somebody's ideas are brought into the workplace uh, and people can talk about them, and maybe the the outcome is no, it, it doesn't work, but at least somebody has had a chance to be heard. And we all want to be heard. We all want to be part of an organization that makes us feel that, you know, we belong. Mm-hmm. I can't agree more. Uh, you know, really by providing the right tools and guidance, I feel like businesses will be well positioned to really bridge differing, uh, you know, cultures in order to really optimize their performance across cultural boundaries. Now, Shay, as we wrap up our conversation, what specific suggestions do you have for employers that can aid them in incorporating cross-culture communication skills into their organizations? That's a, a fascinating question because there's a lot of answers, but let me see if I can start sort of from the beginning. When you are hiring somebody or looking to fill a vacancy, what are the skill sets you're looking for, first of all? Okay, that, that should be well-defined. But are you asking the right questions to elicit uh, the skills out of the candidate that you're interviewing? Because uh, our questions may be biased. They may be biased towards the Canadian culture, and we might miss um, certain nuances that another culture may not be able to explain things the way we see it. Then when we take the answers, are we what filter are we using to actually look at that? So there's your first thing that you have to do is to take a look at your whole hiring process and say, what are we trying to achieve? And are we asking the right way to, to be able to do that? 
then we talked about the onboarding that was about training that we, we come into. Um, so when we talk about communication, for example, uh, one can't forget that if English is not a first language for somebody, that they may be slowing down because they're translating in their, their heads. So if you're asking a team, for example, for their ideas, you have to give people the time to respond. Um, and especially people that don't have English as a first language. Because if you cut those people off, uh, you may think we're being efficient, but what you're really doing is sending an interesting signal to somebody because you're not listening to them and they don't feel heard. They don't feel part of the family at that point. So even to slow down, when somebody does something different that you're not used to, rather than seeing that as a, I have to change the behavior, the curiosity of managers is probably more important. Why? Then you start to understand how are these people thinking? And you can then help to say, well, that's not how we do it here, or this is the way we would like to do it here. You know, people coming from cultures, as an example, that are from hierarchical cultures, we like to have our employees, you know, have discussions about what we should do. Generally, not every company does that. Well, somebody from a hierarchical culture is not going to open up unless you create the space because their view of the boss is I can't challenge my boss, especially in public. So it's to, you know, to be able to understand some of those differences and, and, and open up the clear space that you have. And when you're thinking about language and communication, because communication is, has a lot of different areas is also understand that, um, People, it's called context. Some people, we say what we mean. We mean what we say. Other people read between the lines. So if you have somebody who comes from a higher context culture that sort of tries to read in the message, to understand that your message may not be as clear as you think it is to them. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you make a statement and they may be trying to figure out, did you mean this? Did you mean that? Whereas it may have been just a, a clear statement. Similarly, if they make a statement, they may be trying to send a signal thinking they're being very clear. And so oftentimes, if it's not clear, is you don't ask for clarifying questions, asking, you know, what did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. So both sides have to create that, that, that environment that it's okay to ask questions. Absolutely. No, right. You've presented such insightful views, I would say, of how it is so essential for individuals from different backgrounds to really build bridges in order to foster understanding across cultures, right? But thank you so much, Shay, for joining us today and for really discussing the increased focus on intercultural communication as more and more immigrants enter our society. Thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on board. Shay illuminated how, with growing immigration numbers, it is pivotal that we strive to bridge cultural divides, an endeavor which can ultimately foster stronger global relationships. We hope you enjoyed it. Once again, we would like to thank our exclusive banking partner, RBC, our exclusive shipping partner, UPS, and our exclusive accounting software partner, Zero, for supporting this initiative. Please do share the podcast and feel free to check out the other episodes. Also, do not forget to subscribe to the Canadian SME Small Business Magazine to stay up to date on all our upcoming events and get the top business insights from industry leaders. This is Maheen, your host for the Small Business Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Canadian SME Podcast. Please visit canadiansme.ca to subscribe and join us next week as we share more expert advice from Canadian business leaders.